the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing Sam Maupin Engineering. Today we'll hear from Melissa Highland. She's the author of Get Set, a spiritual preparation for short term, <laughs> let me say this, short term missions. That's coming up. In the second hour of today's program, we'll also talk about a, a very interesting Washington Post arg- uh, article that worries about too many Catholic hospitals uh, not extolling the virtue of these institutions that for decades uh, has striven, if such a word exists, to provide health care to the general public. But they're concerned that Catholic hospitals actually practice what they preach And that's limiting access to abortion is the primary concern. We'll talk more about that later. And what that represents in terms of the culture wars that are going on around the country at this very moment. First, we'll take a look at some of the day's headlines. The jury has declared uh, the source and analyst to compile the bulk of the dossier, the Uh, So-called Trump-Russia dossier has been acquitted of lying to the FBI regarding his sources for some claims in the document in a loss for special counsel John Durham. Uh, The analyst who compiled the bulk of the dossier drafted by the former British intelligence agent Christopher Steele and which alleged collusion between former President Trump's 2016 campaign in Moscow, not guilty of all four charges. Danchenko was accused of having made false statements regarding the sources of some of the information that he provided to a U.K. investigative firm back in 2017. It was later passed on to the FBI. Well, Durham originally charged Danchenko with five counts of lying to the intelligence agency, but one was tossed out on Friday. Now, this case was expected to be the last connected to Durham's three-year investigation into the origins of the FBI's probe into the alleged Russiagate scandal. And after the 2016 election, the um, dossier was found to have included a number of unverified or erroneous claims. Steele was accused of unleashing the dossier and the Russian election interference hoax to damage Trump's campaign, which was funded by the Clinton campaign through its law firm Perkins Coy. Well, Danchenko has found been found not guilty on four counts that he faced in this latest trial. In an example of crime without consequence, violence surged as prison populations plunged in 2020. And growing chemical concerns, a new National Institutes of Health study found a link between chemical hair straightening products and uterine cancer, suggesting that frequent users may be more at risk. In the Peach State battle, police, guns and voter suppression took center stage at the Abrams-Kemp showdown. And on racial discrimination, a family took their fight to keep an adopted Native American child all the way to the Supreme Court. Not so booming economy. Pete Buttigieg is uh, being blasted for infuriating um, an infuriating lie about how President Biden is rescuing the economy. Well, using an equity lens, the Oregon Department of Education 
has placed a heavy emphasis on diversity, equity and inclusion. But critics of the department said that's taken focus off students and academics and amounts to picking winners and losers. It's the economy, stupid. You might remember when that was a popular phrase. Well, the New York Times Siena College poll on Monday has attracted media attention for affirming the argument that the economy trumps abortion when it comes to voters' priorities. Well, a New York Times columnist is upset by some black Georgia voters supporting Brian Kemp. Apparently, black voters are only permitted to support certain candidates with certain views. I don't know whatever happened to freedom, but it's rather insulting that the New York Times columnist is upset that some black voters have stepped away from the plantation. Not a good view. Show host um, Sonny Hostin, she admits Herschel Walker overperformed and his opponent Warnock underperformed in the Senate debate. Well, social media and a saga, the clock is ticking for Tesla CEO Elon Musk to close his Twitter acquisition and avoid a looming legal trial over previous efforts to walk away from the $44 billion deal. The Delaware Court of um, Chancery has given Musk until the 28th of this month to close the deal. If he's unable to reach an agreement with Twitter, the trial, which was originally scheduled for the 17th of October, will be moved to November. In a lethal strain, researchers claim to have developed a new deadly COVID variant with an 80 percent kill rate. I guess my first question is, why would you do that? Well, storming mad, DeSantis expands early voting for counties torn apart by Hurricane Ian and some of the media aren't happy. At least they're not happy this time around. It matters Who has made the extension and who hasn't? In a call to stop the demonization, five police officers in one department died by suicide in just seven months. In what has become a drone war, civilians in Kyiv are being bombarded by explosions a week after Russia's strike across Ukraine. Where's Walker? Well, Raphael Warnock debated libertarian Chase Oliver as Herschel Walker declined that invitation. Offering a different interpretation, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg says a recession is possible but not inevitable. And we've already met the definition of a recession, so we're pretending like we're not already in one. I guess I just need to go along with it. Well, on the politicized agency, Representative James Comer calls out FBI leadership, resign and be accountable for wrongdoings, he says. Well, the pandemic is over. We still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work on it. But the pandemic is over. Well, that's a direct quote from President Biden a month ago. And as if um, to prove his pronouncement, he added, if you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. And I think this is a perfect example of it, end quote. Well, for all intents and purposes, the COVID pandemic is over. Hospitalizations and deaths from COVID are way down and have been for nearly a year now. COVID is now effectively on a similar status with the annual flu. Yet over the weekend, the president extended his COVID emergency powers for another 90 days. And the question is, why? Well, the answer has little to do with COVID and much more to do with empowering big government. Well, the president and company want Congress um, to approve an additional $22.4 billion in COVID relief funding. COVID relief has become a piggy bank for the Biden administration as he and his team have used the funds to expand Medicaid benefits, for example, as well as to launch his student loan forgiveness uh, gambit. As Lord Acton noted about the corrupting influence of power, there's um, the, that added component. Once people have attained power, they're often loath to relinquish it. Well, once again, we also see it here. The compliant Democrats most often voice against um, 
Republicans that they are a threat to democracy is actually more applicable to the other side. Yet, where are all the uh, left media cohorts ringing the alarm bells over this blatant government overreach? Unsurprisingly, they are silent, proving that their real concern is not about protecting the democratic process, but about promoting a political agenda of one end of that continuum of politics. Hey, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Quick break. We'll be back to continue taking a look at the headlines. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, Mark Schultz's benefit concert for Stand Up Girl is coming up. And we have a contest that we would love for you to um, to enter to win some tickets. Uh, it's Tuesday. Um, I'm well, today is Tuesday. The concert is this Friday, October 21st, 7 o'clock p.m. at Manor House Church in Northeast Portland. You can see the award-winning Christian music artist Mark Schultz in concert. It's a benefit for StandUpGirl.com, one of the nation's largest ministries helping women faced with unexpected pregnancies. Enjoy a night of music and inspiration while you support a great cause. And you can enter to win free tickets right now. And I have it on good authority. We've got tickets we need to give away. So go to kpdq.com for all the important details. And my guess is you're going to get some tickets. So that's coming up this Friday night. Mark Scholes, check it out, kpdq.com. Well, the first ever cancer vaccine could be ready in months, according to scientists. The new jab will be used to treat uh, patients with high-risk melanoma, the deadliest form of skin cancer. The game-changing vaccine, which could prevent thousands of deaths each year, is in the second of three trials. Manufacturers Moderna and Merck, uh, they've said the results of the trial, which will determine whether it stops cancer coming back, are expected by the end of the year. The experimental vaccine is based uh, on the same uh, messenger RNA or mRNA technology that was used to create the revolutionary COVID vaccines, if you embrace that. Well, the cancer shot is tailored for each patient to generate T cells, a key part of the body's immune response, based on the specific mutational signature of each tumor. mRNA vaccines are usually cheaper to produce than traditional vaccines. However, personalized vaccines are very expensive. There are various forms of skin cancer that generally fall under non-melanoma and melanoma Most experts recommend using the simple um, rule to look for symptoms of melanoma. And this vaccine uh, at least will have, by the end of the year, some indication if it actually works to stop cancer. Well, big tech is promoting the death cult. Google has once again been flagrant with its political bias, this time through its affiliate, YouTube. Well, like YouTube did with uh, COVID-19 misinformation, it slapped a disclaimer banner below pro-life videos to provide context and to lure internet users to pro-abortion websites that's the context there's nothing to see here folks let's go to the pro-abortion side well these banners are on videos pertaining to catholic views on abortion attacks on pro-life pregnancy centers the prominent figures such as joe biden nancy pelosi and other um, catholic dissonance on the subject youtube also censors catholic priests who disagree with big tech pro-abortion stance and have posted videos with their arguments and asking for discourse well the youtube banner says abortion health information and the link takes users to the national library of medicine the nlm is a federal organization that as 
um, it is so often put, is just another hub of progressive federal government bureaucrats within the National Institutes of Health that plugs abortion and has reportedly published thousands of paper on racism and medicine. In other words, if you're yet another body of unelected bureaucrats with a veneer of expertise that uses its status to phrase atrocities as health care. When an organization has to use euphemisms to make what it's uh, describing sound better than it actually is, it's selling you something and um, showing you um, what it's selling um, is uh, is wrong. Well, the NLM defines abortion as a procedure to end pregnancy. That's not untrue, but ending a pregnancy is a very sanitized way of saying causing the death of your unborn baby. Well, the rest of the links in NLM's abortion page get even more evasive. The page on one form of um, abortion, the DNC, when the abortionist kills the, and dismembers the baby in the womb, then suctions him or her out, describes it as a procedure to remove tissue from inside your uterus. It goes on to explain how this um, exact procedure is used to help with other medical conditions, such as uterine cancer, where, of course, there is no living being on the other end of the procedure. The implication is subtle, but it's there. The unborn baby is like cancer that needs to be sucked out. Well, there's more, but I'll leave it at that. Another news in the woke military, a Pentagon um, equity chief praised a book that called 9-11 responders menaces. And tossing softballs, Jake Tapper's soft Hunter Biden question during President Biden's interview follows the media's weak coverage of the story. Well, a Rolling Stone writer deleted a tweet referring to Mrs. Fetterman as de facto candidate since her husband's stroke. And not so warm welcome, First Lady Jill Biden has reportedly was booed at an NFL game. Well, the ta- everybody's booed these days, so I guess it's not altogether surprising. The tax man cometh. Taxes are due yesterday for Americans who received a filing extension. I hope you got yours turned in. Senator Raphael Warnock debated cool, calm and collected Herschel Walker. Many were surprised by the performance. The Wall Street Journal says the Democratic Senator uh, Warnock and Republican challenger Walker clashed over abortion, inflation and health care in their only debate Friday night. A hotly anticipated event, thanks to Mr. Walker's controversial campaign and Georgia's emergence as a perennial battleground state. This race ain't about me. It's about what uh, Raphael Warnock and George, uh, excuse me, Joe Biden have done to you and your family, Mr. Walker said in his opening remarks. He went on to try repeatedly to link the incumbent senator to the president. Um, Mira also weighed in and said, do you believe uh, there should be any limitations on abortion? Speaking to Pastor Warnock, I just feel like uh, with the doctor and the woman and the room is already full, LOL. Uh, I remind the pastor that there is also a baby in the room. There was no answer. And Fox News said mainstream journalists and even liberal media figures admitted that Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker did better than expected during his Friday night debate against his Democratic opponent, Senator Raphael Warnock. One claimed that Warnock, the Democratic pro-choice pastor, looked weak and should have fought back harder against Walker's aggressive criticism. And another even declared Walker the victor. A mother eviscerated a school board's decision to hold a family-friendly drag show. Family-friendly drag show. A uh, San Diego mother who went viral this week for her uh, fierce takedown of a local school board for its plans for a family-friendly Halloween drag show told Fox News she hopes she's encouraging other parents to protect their children from an increasingly prevalent hypersexualized culture. In a widely circulated video on social media, Brittany Mayer, she accused the... Um, uh, 
the school district of acting as groomers and activist pimps after it invited community youth and families to a queer Halloween party featuring a family-friendly drag queen show. Mayor said that on the 29th of October, Boo, October, Boo Bash event uh, angered dozens of parents who repeatedly asked the board to stop promoting the event and issued an apology. When they refused, Mayor and others showed up at Tuesday's school board meeting to confront them. Rooted reports that we're done mincing words. While we have a culture that has a huge problem with child porn and with sex trafficking, this school district in California made the decision to feature an event to sexualize young children. We will call it exactly what it is, end quote. Well, Dr. Fauci on school closures during the pandemic, I had nothing to do with it. Well, Dr. Fauci, who recently announced he would be leaving his government post as White House chief medical advisor, claimed innocence on the fallout from school shutdowns, namely uh, dramatic learning loss among K-12 through students in an interview that aired Sunday. The nation's chief immunologist denied that he had any responsibility in driving the public health consensus that schools should have discontinued in-person instruction for many months on end as a COVID-19 mitigation measure. As late as September of 2020, Fauci recommended that schools only open back up once the virus is under control, he told CNN at the time. RNC Research points out that what it uh, was it a mistake to see schools closed as long as they were? Fauci, I had nothing to do with it. The Washington Examiner points out that school shutdowns have come under increased criticism as more research has come uh, come out detailing their negative effects, mainly skyrocketing mental health issues among students and a massive decline in learning. Recent studies have shown that students have suffered the largest loss in learning in over 30 years due to COVID-19 related school shutdowns. President Biden says the economy is strong as, well, heck. Uh, The president is facing the wrath of conservatives online after he was caught on camera telling a reporter in Portland that the economy is as strong as, well, you know where. While licking away the... um, At a Baskin-Robbins ice cream cone, the president appeared unbothered by the country's 8.2% inflation rate and warnings of a looming recession as he was asked about the U.S. financial situation in an Oregon ice cream parlor on Saturday. President Biden is under the impression that the American economy is booming. The fundamentals couldn't be more robust. It's strong as, well, you know what. The president said this uh, said this while munching the ice cream at the Portland Baskin Robbins yesterday, which only adds to the senility of this administration. As Democrats in swing districts breathe sighs of relief that the president avoided them on the campaign trail, they got a brutal reminder that whatever um, remarks a barrel out of his mouth are just as damaging to their slim reelection chances. And finally, End Wokeness writes that Biden, while eating ice cream, the economy is strong, um, breezily saying this while ignoring the suffering of the American public. Well, a new poll says the GOP has widened its lead in a congressional generic ballot. We'll tell you more about that when we come back from the break. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Also, a reminder, coming up in the second hour, Melissa Highland, she's the author of Get Set, a spiritual preparation for short-term missions. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. 
Here at KPDQ, we want to honor and thank our amazing local pastors, ministry leaders, and their spouses for their faithful service at our Pastor Appreciation Breakfast. That's coming up Thursday, November 3rd, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Embassy Suites Hotel. You'll hear an amazing, uplifting message from Pastor Alan Jackson, and that's all coming up on the 3rd of November. The event is absolutely free, but space is limited and you need reservation. So reserve your spot today and spread the word so we get to um, honor as many church leaders as possible. Go to kpdq.com for more information and to register. Well, there's a new poll that said the GOP has widened its lead in a congressional generic ballot. The Washington Examiner reports that confidence of a GOP route on Election Day gained support on Friday when a new survey showed a huge gain for Republicans and the so-called generic ballot. Already with a high four percentage point lead over Democrats, the latest Rasmussen Report survey showed the gap nearly doubling to a seven point GOP lead. The gap is significant because generic ballot polls typically underestimate the size of Republican support. Several GOP pollsters have said that a Democratic lead of three points, uh, for example, typically signals a big GOP win. Rasmussen reports that voters under 40 favor Democrats by a 12-point margin, 47% to 35%, but voters ages 40 to 64 favor Republicans, 52% to 39%. And the GOP lead is 18 points among voters uh, 65 and older. Republicans have earned the independent vote as well. Kevin McCullough says that voters are looking to hear from the candidates as to their actual solutions for the actual problems they're living with. And that's not been the case with many of the uh, candidates and incumbents. A Virginia Democrat is looking to expand the definition of child abuse to include parents who do not provide gender transition surgery. A Virginia Democratic delegate, Elizabeth Guzman, is seeking to introduce legislation that would hold parents criminally liable for refusing to treat their children as a different sex from the one they were born into. The legislation, which Guzman plans to introduce in Virginia's upcoming legislative session, would expand the definition of child abuse so that parents could be charged with a felony or misdemeanor for refusing to honor their child's request to be treated as the opposite sex. And we're talking about children Uh, whose uh, decision-making we wouldn't trust in most areas, but this one that has the potential to alter them for a lifetime, uh, parents would be held criminally liable for declining. Breitbart points out that defending the, uh, depending on the results of that investigation, Guzman said penalties could range from misdemeanor to felony abuse charges for parents and implied a goal of damaging the reputations of these parents if they do not follow the prescribed gender ideology. Ian Pryor says Guzman's claims not to uh, be criminalizing parents, but to be educating them and that we haven't seen any parents come against it. Well, she isn't listening very carefully then. Legacy media outlets have ignored Alejandro Mayorkas' lying to the American people with calls for his resignation. Left-leaning outlets have ignored the latest development in the debunked story about the Border Patrol agents supposedly whipping Haitian migrants, despite previously parroting the claim. A review of... um, Transcripts found no mention of the story on CNN, MSNBC, ABC News, NBC News or CBS News since it broke on Wednesday. Xi Jinping opened the Conference of Communist Chinese Party Delegates and is expected to get a third term. Chinese leader Xi Jinping on Sunday vowed to steer China through grave challenges toward national rejuvenation, advancing a nationalistic vision of uh, that has put it on the collision course with the West. 
speaking at the opening of the 20th Party Congress, where he's poised to secure a uh, norm-breaking third term in power. Xi struck a confidence tone, highlighting China's uh, growing strength and rising influence under his uh, first decade in power. Chinese President Xi on Sunday called for his country to increase its military capability as it tightens its grip on Hong Kong and takes a, um, an increasingly threatening posture toward Taiwan. The assembly of 2,300 CPP delegates are expected to grant him a third term as China's president and general secretary of that Congress. The Chinese authoritarian is not subject to term limits since China revised the Constitution in 2018. Jinping signaled that China would take a more confrontational attitude toward Taiwan, which uh, Beijing claims is as its territory, but which is operated as a self-governing state for decades. Gordon Chang weighs in. On Twitter saying you can smell war in the air, but we're not prepared for China's next assault. We had better get ready fast because Xi Jinping, uh, when he wins unlimited power this month, he will move against us soon. End quote. Governor DeSantis provided new law enforcement officers 5000 bonus checks. Um, I guess they're five thousand dollar bonus checks. I'm not entirely clear in a Cape Coral Florida press conference, the governor delivered bonus checks for $5,000 to new law enforcement officers as part of Florida's law enforcement recruitment program effective since July 1st of this year. Officers from both out-of-state and local areas who join the force can apply to receive a bonus check. The governor uh, says that in addition to the six bonus checks he delivered today in Cape Coral, uh, Coral, 335 more checks are being sent out to new recruits across the state. Morale is very low. We, uh, we've seen the, the morale really fall since the Floyd riots. It's been probably the lowest we've seen in a long time. Thanksgiving anxieties are looming following the inflation report. Bidenflation will not only influence voters' decisions in November, it will also regrettably have an effect on Thanksgiving dinner. More than a third of Americans, according to a survey by Personal capital will be eating less at Thanksgiving this year, with 88 percent of Americans planning to eliminate at least one dish from their traditional spread in an effort to save money. According to Personal Capital Survey, one in four Americans is planning to skip Thanksgiving this year to save money altogether. 401k's pension plans have uh, taken a massive hit. I'm a little bit afraid to look at mine. Inflation has taken an average of 25 percent. At least $2.1 trillion off of 401ks of American workers, despite President Joe Biden's insistence Sunday that the economy is, well, very strong. The analysis was done by a conservative economist, Stephen Moore and E.J. Antony, who said that the balance of America's 401ks will ruin your whole day, week and month. They argued that over the past 20 months, the average American family has lost nearly $6,000 in purchasing power due to the rise in prices over wages. The average American's um, 401k plans have lost a colossal 34000 in value, more than 25% of where it was a year ago, to a total of $2.1 trillion in losses. Representative Andy Biggs says the average American 401k has plummeted by 34,000 this year under Biden, but he, uh, he doesn't care. He just keeps munching on his ice cream cones. Daily Wire says folks with pension plans are not safe from the economic havoc either. U.S. pension funds have fallen 15 percent to $24 trillion in assets, wiping out two years worth of gains. Unless the losses are recouped, the pension plans will either need a taxpayer bailout or reduce benefits for retirees.
Alta Beauty is facing a boycott for having a trans influencer discuss girlhood. A beauty giant has faced calls for a boycott after inviting a controversial transgender influencer on a podcast about girlhood. Ulta Beauty, which has more than 1,200 salons across the country, was slammed by furious women for hosting Dylan McIlvaney of the uh, Joy of Girlhood. Uh, The firm has tried to showcase the diversity of women that use the brand, but the clip was uh, quickly seized on by customers for the controversial clip. They slammed the male for describing um, himself as a Barbie. Well, I won't even describe what he is making reference to, Um, but he... um, has been accused of woman face by some feminists who claim she, he is playing a play acting the part of a woman he enjoys with none of the misogyny faced by females on a day to day basis. It's all rather confusing and difficult to articulate. A Harvard caps poll says that Ron DeSantis ranks the highest in net approval. A recently released survey conducted uh, earlier this month by the Center for American Political Studies at Harvard University, the Harris Poll and Harris X found that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ranks highest in terms of net approval among Americans. DeSantis is considering a top presidential candidate for the GOP in 24 and the future of the Republican Party. Free Telegraph reports that the Florida governor has the highest net approval rating among all American politicians, according to a new mainstream poll. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll take a quick break and we'll be back. Coming up in our second hour, Melissa Highland, Get Set, a spiritual preparation for short-term missions. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. We're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show I'd like to invite you to consider traveling with Alistair Begg on the Deeper Faith Mediterranean Cruise next summer. You can plan your trip of a lifetime uh, on the Norwegian Cruise Line with your host, Pastor Alistair Begg. You can explore the spectacular part of the world where the early church began to grow and where the Apostle Paul made many of his missionary journeys. Fellowship with friends and uh, family that you'll meet on board. Um, ministry from Alistair Begg, world-class dining and accommodations, an itinerary filled with magnificent churches, cathedrals, strolling old-world cobblestone streets, and touring 16th-century mansions, fortresses, and museums. Book your ticket. Come along on this exciting voyage across the scenic Mediterranean Sea. I've taken this voyage with Alistair Begg, and I highly, highly recommend it. That's coming up August the 26th through September 4th of 2023. Well, rapper Kanye West has agreed to purchase Parler, the American rapper who now goes by Yee, has, it's hard to keep up with some of these folks and their new names, has agreed in principle to buy Parler, the social media platform popular among U.S. conservatives, parent company Parliament Technology said on Monday. Nashville-based Parler, which has raised some $56 million to date, said it expects the deal to close during the fourth quarter of 2022. It did not give a deal value. 60% of Americans view socialism negatively. The majority of positives are from one side of the political continuum. The latest Fox News survey asks which of two messages voters would send to the federal government. Lend me a hand or leave me alone. A majority of 52% would ask Washington to lend them a hand up and 44% in 2021. The eight-point increase comes mostly from a 19-point jump among Republicans as views among Democrats held steady. Still, Democrats at 69% are much more likely than Republicans at 38% to say, lend me a hand. 
All eyes and millions of dollars focus on the Colorado Senate race. For months, top party operatives have mused that Joe O'Day is the best Republican candidate running for Senate this year. Senate Republicans' top super PAC moved a $1.25 million into the state just over a week ago, as outside Democratic groups in the last month have steered more than $9 million to the Colorado race. CBS reports that ballots are going out to Colorado voters statewide beginning this week, with the 2022 midterm elections 22 days away. The best part of that is... The political ads will end for at least 15 minutes before the 2024 presidential uh, election ads start running. Education is the sleeper issue of the woke-centered midterm. Hugh Hewitt points out that parents of school-aged children will be a big part of the red wave that I and many others see building in the midterms. Make no mistake, he says, education is on the ballot in 22, and voters are looking for someone to hold accountable. Even parents living with the chaos in reopened schools and aware of the collapse of achievement tests over the past two years weren't prepared for Wednesday's news that the ACT scores for American high school graduates had fallen to their lowest point in three decades. An issue most broadcasters try to avoid is gender dysphoria. First, there isn't hard data on the number of children impacted by it. Second, compassion ought to greet any child and their parent who are dealing with the condition. Cruelty toward any subgroup is always bad. Dr. Albert Moeller says that in an interview with local television news, a Virginia legislator Uh, said that she would reintroduce a bill she had first proposed two years ago. She described the bill as an effort to protect LGBTQ children from abuse by their parents. But as the news interview made plain, her definition of abuse includes pushback from parents who don't facilitate necessary care for said children. Missing in action, an Arizona candidate, Katie Hobbs, is refusing to debate Carrie Lake. Well, Democrat gubernatorial nominee Katie Hobbs followed her Republican opponent in the Arizona race, Carrie Lake, who blasted Hobbs for ducking any debate before the election. Lake told CNN's Dana Bash on State of the Union that Hobbs was a coward and refusing even a single debate. The people of Arizona will never support and vote for a coward like Katie Hobbs, who won't show up on a debate stage, Lake declared. She's single handedly destroying a 20 year tradition of gubernatorial debates because of her cowardice. End quote. Well, why didn't she say what she really thinks? Immediately afterwards, Hobbs appeared and Bash pressed her on both the debate question and on what limits she would support on abortion. And on both points, Hobbs proved late correct on cowardice. RNC research says, why is Arizona Democrat Katie Hobbs afraid to debate Carrie Lake? It's an unanswered question. Russia drone strikes uh, central Kiev and the residential areas. The United States will hold Russia accountable for war crimes, the White House said on Monday, hours after Russia attacked Ukrainian cities with drones during morning rush hour, killing at least four people in an apartment building in Kiev. The Wall Street Journal reports that rescue workers pulled 18 people from the rubble of a residential building that was damaged by a strike in the central uh, district, um, Kiev's mayor said of the event. The New York Times scrutinizes a conservative juggernaut as Salem continues its battleground talkers tour. Now, KPDQ is uh, owned and operated by Salem Media. In recent months, the conservative personalities Eric Metaxas, Sebastian Gorka and Charlie Kirk have used their nationally syndicated radio shows to discuss 
claims of rigged voting machines accuse election officials of corruption and espouse ballot fraud conspiracies theories. Well, the radio hosts and their tour are united by a common backer, Salem Media Group, a publicly traded media company in Irving, Texas. Mr. Metaxas, Mr. Gorka and Mr. Kirk have contracts with the company, which is also hosting the Battleground Talkers trip. Created as a Christian talk um, or Christian radio network nearly 50 years ago by two brothers-in-law, Salem has quietly turned into a conservative media juggernaut as it increasingly takes an activist stance in the midterm elections. The New York Times reports. A Democrat sheriff from Bexar County, Texas, Javier Salazar, quickly set himself in opposition to Florida Governor DeSantis following the flight of uh, 48 migrants to Martha's Vineyard. And he has now sought to get these migrants U visas. These U visas are granted for people who are victims of crimes in order to assist law enforcement investigations. Salazar claims that the migrants were deceived by DeSantis based upon the claims of migrants being transported from Bexar County under false pretenses. We are investigating this case as possible unlawful restraint. We have submitted documentation through the federal system to ensure the migrants availability as witnesses during the investigation. Meanwhile, DeSantis has produced waivers signed by the migrants in question that clearly show where they were headed. Furthermore, DeSantis observed that since Massachusetts has declared itself a sanctuary state, it should be welcoming the migrants. It's easy to say you're a sanctuary state. It's another thing to actually prove it. Salazar is focused on an event that did not occur in his county, affecting individuals who never resided in his county. Would not the residents of Bexar County be better served by a sheriff who actually focuses his energies on uh, policing his own jurisdiction rather than engaging in political fights with the governor of another state? It is an open question. The Pennsylvania 2020 mail-in balloting mess apparently remains unfixed. In the 2020 election, Pennsylvania became the focus of much contention over voting issues thanks to the mass, um, the mass expansion of mail-in balloting due to the COVID pandemic. One of the myriad of issues had to do with questions regarding up, undated um, ma- uh, mail-in ballots. According to state law, each vote must fill out date and sign their mail-in ballot. The question is whether the handwritten date must be uh, included for the ballot to be uh, accepted. Uh, This past summer, the Third District or Third Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that 257 ballots from the 2021 special election that had been rejected due to the failure of voters to include the handwritten date breached the Civil Rights Act. Well, following the ruling, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to take the case. Uh, much to the chagrin of Justice Samuel Alito, who observed that the court is very likely wrong. He warned if left undisturbed, it could well affect the outcome of the fall elections, and it would be far better for us to address that interpretation before rather than after it has that effect. So voters in the Keystone State may have to wait through a litany of litigation arising following the midterms due to the unresolved, undated balloting question, and we may all have to wait to learn, for example... Which party controls the U.S. Senate? You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming here at the top of the hour. In the second hour, we'll hear from Melissa Highland, author of Get Set, a spiritual preparation for short-term missions. That and more when we return. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Coming up for our next couple of segments, a conversation with Melissa Highland, author of Get Set, A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions. And preparation can make all the difference, not only for those you go to serve, but for uh, you as you are preparing uh, to 
minister to others. That's coming up in the next segment, next couple of segments. We'll also take a look at a Washington Post concern that there are too many Catholic hospitals that are serving and ministering to people. It's a rather disturbing article. I want to remind you that Mark Schultz is going to be presenting a benefit concert for Stand Up Girl this Friday, October 21st, 7 o'clock p.m. at Mana House Church in Northeast Portland. You can see this award-winning Christian music artist and KPDQ has some tickets to give away. What you need to do, go to kpdq.com and find out all about it. Otherwise, tickets are just $25 each, $45 per couple. And right now you can buy them or enter to win a pair. And uh, I have it on good authority. We have some you can win. KPDQ.com. And that's coming up uh, this Friday, 7 o'clock p.m. at uh, Manor House Church in Northeast Portland. Well, student loan forgiveness has been launched. On Monday, the president officially launched his federal student loan cancellation program, a program that Republicans have argued he doesn't have the legal authority to enact. Well, seeing midterm uh, polling a turn against the, uh, his party, the president hammered Republicans for refusing to support his unilateral overreach, which will force working Americans to pay off school loan debts for college students who willingly agreed to take on the debt in the first place. That outrage is wrong and hypocritical, the president uh, said. I will never apologize for helping middle class Americans. Well, his uh, charge against Republicans had everything to do with the tax cut passed by Donald Trump first year. The tax cut helped over 80 percent of Americans keep more of their hard earned money and in turn proved to generate even more revenue for the federal government. Now the nation is suffering sky high inflation and much more. Well, what parents need to know about rainbow fentanyl. Well, for most kids, Halloween is primarily about dressing up and collecting copious amounts of candy. Maybe not all kids, maybe not yours, but some in your neighborhood. And for most parents, the worst they have um, to concern themselves with is enduring the sugar rush that results from their kids consuming their collected wares. Sadly, this year, there are nefarious elements that may be hiding within their children's goodies due to the wide open border and increasing amount of highly dangerous drug fentanyl has been following flowing rather into the United States. And it was recently discovered that some of this fentanyl has been packaged to appear like rainbow candies, similar in look to nerds or Skittles. And that's not by um, by accident. Nearly 300,000 of these rainbow fentanyl pills were discovered and seized by the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration in the Bronx. Uh, Heritage Foundation's Lori Rise, she advises that parents need to talk to their kids as best they uh, they can age appropriately to look out for rainbow colored candy. And two parents themselves should be checking packaging. Hopefully no child accidentally consumes fentanyl laced candy this season, but parents must remain vigilant. Well, new video shows Nancy Pelosi threatening to punch out Donald Trump on January 6th. That would be a matchup that would almost be. No, don't go there. Former top CNN and MSNBC execs defend not covering the Hunter laptop before the election. And a majority now say the economy is getting worse and blame the president. The New York governor's race is now a toss up and a North Carolina shooting leaves five dead, including an off duty uh, off duty police officer. A suspect is in custody. Philly is um, such a train wreck that Wawa may be leaving. Boston University researchers claim to have developed a new, more lethal COVID strain in a lab. Why? I couldn't answer the question. Well, the U.S. could sell oil from the emergency reserve this week. The president has vowed to do just that. 
A liberal dark money network quietly launched a gun group to create a narrative that guns make us less safe. And the president's border security head takes internal flack for literally sleeping on the job. Google employees are laughing at you for thinking um, incognito, the mode, is private. And China's Xi Jinping stakes out um, ambitions with himself at the center. New reports show India will suppress China as the most, or rather surpass China, as the most populous country by the end of this year. On this day in history, 1648, Boston shoemakers are authorized to form a guild to protect their interests. It's the first American labor organization on record. 1648. 1892, the first long-distance telephone line between New York and Chicago is officially opened. 1898, the American flag is raised in Puerto Rico shortly before Spain formally relinquishes control of the island to the U.S. 1944, troops invade Czechoslovakia during World War II. 1962, James D. Watson, Francis Crick, and Morris Wilkins win the Nobel Peace Prize for medicine and physiology, for determining the double helix molecular structure of DNA. 1969, the federal government bans artificial sweeteners known as cyclamates because of evidence they cause cancer in laboratory rats. 1972, Congress passes the Clean Water Act, overriding President Richard Nixon's veto. 1977, West Germany, uh, West Germans, um, Commandos, they storm a hijacked Lufthansa jetliner on the ground of Mogadishu, Somalia, freeing all 86 hostages and killing three of the four hijackers. 2001, four disciples of Osama bin Laden are sentenced in New York City to life without parole for their roles in the deadly 1998 bombings of two U.S. embassies in Africa. 2014, the Supreme Court says Texas could use its controversial new voter identification law for the November election, rejecting an emergency request from the Justice Department and civil rights groups to prohibit the state from requiring voters to produce certain forms of photo ID. Three justices dissent in that decision. 2019, the State Department completes an internal investigation into Hillary Clinton's use of private email and finds dozens of individuals at fault and hundreds of security violations. Well, President Biden has announced codifying Roe will be his top legislative priority if Democrats sweep the midterms in a Tuesday speech that his top legislative priority after the midterms will focus on abortion rather than the economy and oil and gas prices. Here's the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill I'll send to Congress is to codify Roe versus Wade, he said during his remarks at the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. The movie is intended to galvanize support among Democratic independent women as his poll numbers slump ahead of the November midterm elections. Well, average Americans are losing some $34,000 and everything else on the uh, watch of the current administration. Have you taken a peek at the balance of your 401k retirement accounts lately? Well, here's our advice. Don't bother. It will ruin your whole day, maybe the week at And the month. Here's why. We've now had seven straight months of 8% plus inflation. A year ago, we were assured by the White House, the economic wizards, that these rapid price increases in everything from groceries to rental cars to gasolines at the pump to health insurance were merely transitory. Well, the most immediate sticker shock from Biden inflation, of course, has been to shrink real take home paychecks of workers. We've calculated that uh, over the past 20 months, this rise in consumer prices over wages means that the average family in America has lost nearly $6,000 in purchasing power. This from the lunch bucket Joe president 
who promised to help boost the incomes of middle class Americans. But this pay cut effect on family incomes is only part of the curse of runway inflation. Uh, we've been uh, we've just completed an analysis of how the highest inflation rate is almost in almost 40 years has impacted the retirement funds of ordinary Americans. And the results are rather shocking. Not surprisingly, since the president took office, monthly savings have collapsed, falling 83 percent. We can never understand how the president could say with a straight face that um, his transformation of the U.S. economy has um, had just the opposite effect. Many millions of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck just don't have the money after uh, paying the inflated bills to save much. And it goes on from there. But our time is limited the headline, though, average Americans losing some thirty-four thousand uh, dollars in this um, Biden inflation season. Coming up, a conversation I had with Melissa Highland, author of "Get Set: A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions." We'll be back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on ninety-three point nine KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. Well, as promised, we're going to talk about short-term missions and how to prepare. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been on many short-term missions and going on them. These trips can be thrilling. They can be stretching and they can also be a bit frightening. Well, to help church mission teams prepare spiritually for this exciting challenge, my next guest, Melissa Highland, has created a 31-day devotional for short-term mission partners. And let me tell you, You can't do any better than preparing for a trip like this. I know you get your stuff together. You have a list of things you need to bring, you know, mosquito repellent and so on. But preparing your heart for this kind of service is essential if you want to have a productive trip. Well, every short devotional in her book begins with scripture. It's followed by an inspiring story, a few words of encouragement, and ends with a prayer and space to write down your thoughts. It's a great resource. Well, Melissa Highland holds degrees from Wake Forest University and University of Central Missouri with specialties in education, curriculum, and instruction. She is the founder and president of Beautiful Feel International, a mission organization that uh, creates pregnancy centers around the world. Her book is titled Get Set, a Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions. Melissa Highland, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Well, first of all, I want to say it's hopeful and and, uh, optimistic that you've written a book on short-term missions, because during this pandemic, I imagine a lot of people who had planned to go uh, found that their plans were postponed. Are you seeing things open up? Um, Yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, 2020 was, was tough. 2021 was much better. Um, I actually, we actually sent four teams in 2021, which was encouraging to us. And um, so, you know, I just think that we, we can't wait as when we can go, we have to go because we never really know if things are going to get better. Things might get worse, right? We, (laughs) we've learned that that we can't predict what's coming. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was mentioning uh, in the introduction is just how important spiritual preparation is for this kind of intense service. I've gone both ways, just going without much uh, intentional spiritual preparation, and I've gone with that kind of intention. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about why it's important for spiritual preparation for short-term missions? I wholeheartedly agree with the Uh, with the notion, but maybe for listeners who are planning on going and haven't had that experience, why is it important? 
I think it's extremely important because, you know, when we are going to, to do God's work, we're going to spread the gospel, we know that there's an enemy that's going to try to stop us. And so I see that over and over again. I have over 20 years experience of leading short-term trips. And what I see is that our enemy will try to discourage the participants. And, you know, he's not creative. He, he kind of uses the same tactics over and over again to try to stop people from doing what it is that God wants them to do. And so we need to prepare ourselves. We need to get into the word and encourage ourselves in the word so that we do not come become discouraged by the enemy. What are some of the biggest challenges, or for that matter, excuses people have for not going on short-term mission? I think that one of the biggest deterrents for people is money. It's not cheap to go on short-term mission trips, especially if you're going internationally. And so I don't think it's an excuse. I think it's a legitimate thing that people are afraid because they don't have that money in the bank and they don't know how they would possibly get that money. Also, people have concerns with missing work, um, taking care of their kids, maybe their uh, elderly parents that they're taking care of. So all of these are legitimate concerns, but I would have to say that I have just seen the Lord come through time and time again when people have felt like they're called to go, even though they don't have any idea how they can make it happen. Mm -hmm. When their knees hit the ground and they start praying, God provides. Yeah, yeah. Now, you can challenge this notion, but a lot of us, I won't go so far as to say most Christians don't share their faith with others while they're at home. Why do you think people are reluctant and are they more open to sharing the gospel um, abroad, whether that's just across the country or around the world? Um, do you find that people learn how to uh, do evangelism on these short term missions when they're reluctant to do so at home? Um, maybe I see that, but, but really what I encourage people to do is to really learn how to share your faith and you're right. People, many Christians do not share their faith, not because they don't want to, but because they're afraid to Mm -hmm. and because they don't know how. And so that's one of the passions that I have is doing evangelism training because I believe that people who love the Lord want to share their faith. They just don't know how. And so a little bit of training goes a long way in giving them the um, strength and courage that they need to share their faith. And so really I encourage people to be sharing your faith wherever you are, right? Don't don't just wait until you mm-hmm. go somewhere else, but God wants us to be sharing right where we are. And so that's part of the preparation that we do for our teams also is evangelism training and encouraging them and trying to give them opportunities to share their faith right here before they go as well. Now, your book, Get Set, is a 31-day challenge or encouragement for those who plan a short-term trip. Um, Why do you think these trips are vital, not just for the individual who is going, but for those who are at the other end of that travel? There are so many reasons why they are great Um, Some of them are just because missionaries on the field and nationals on the field are tremendously encouraged 
when they see a group of people that are willing to uh, spend their time and spend their money to come and minister where they are. Also, we can do projects that they might not have been able to do otherwise, projects that take more than just a handful of people they have on the field. Um, and so it just creates a lot of excitement for the Nationals. Many times people want to come to events when they have a team that's coming there, and then it, it also serves as an encouragement for them. And so we have seen uh, the Lord do many things, including uh, so we have seen so many hundreds of people come to know the Lord through these short-term mission trips. Yeah, I so often find that it's reciprocal. You come and you bring that encouragement and you are in the process encouraged and inspired by those you come to minister to as well. Absolutely. I mean, most people that I know say that when they go on their first short-term mission trip, that it is a life-changing mm-hmm. event for them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they are never the same. And most people want to go back again and again. Yeah. Now, you refer to uh, going on short-term mission as thrilling, stretching, and a little bit scary. Can you describe that for listeners who perhaps have not yet had that experience? It's, it is thrilling. It is thrilling to see the Lord work. You get to see the Lord work in ways that a lot of times you do not in your daily life. We're so caught up in our daily lives, and we kind of, in some ways, know what to expect. And when we step outside of our comfort zone and we put ourselves in a situation where we really don't know exactly what we're doing and we have to rely on the Lord, well, that's where we really see Him um, shine in huge ways. It, it can be scary and it can be stretching because most of us do not like to be outside of our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Short-term missions, there's all kinds of things. Many times you're in a situation where you don't speak the language, you don't know what's being said around you. Um, it's different. It's different food. It's different weather. It's different environment. It's also being um, 24-7 with a team that, you know, may not be people that you would have normally, you know, been with for 24-7 and, you know, not much alone time. So there are all, all kinds of things, you know, you don't have control of your own schedule. Somebody else is telling you what to do. You know, maybe you're flying for the first time. I mean, it's just all kinds of things that are unknown and the unknown can be really unsettling. And so there's a lot of uh, stretching and kind kind of scary stuff, but absolutely amazing things happening as well. And what you've just described is a good case for preparing for short-term missions. There are so many variables that are unfamiliar, uh, that are new, that may be challenging, that if if we do prepare before we go, um, we'll manage much, much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you write that the enemy attacks us while we're doing the work of the Lord. Has this been your experience? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And I'm guessing it's been yours as well. That's right. I mean, when we're doing the work of the Lord, obviously, we know we see this throughout the Bible as well as through our own lives. When we are working for the Lord, the enemy wants to stop that. If we're just, you know, minding our own business and not doing anything to advance the kingdom of God, well, there's no reason that the enemy needs to... um, you know, pay attention to us. But when we are out advancing the gospel, well, he wants to stop that. Yeah. And again, a a strong case for preparing. Where do you begin in preparing for short-term mission where you are no longer the, the center of attention, but you are extending yourself and extending the love of Christ 
to those you are going to minister to, whether that's, you know, across the country or around the world? I think that there's a lot of things that you can do to prepare. Hopefully um, you're working with some kind of a a team and looking to your team leader for that. But I think that um, immersing yourself in the Bible, studying the other culture, if you're going to a different culture, which is typically what missions is, studying that culture, um, you know, putting together a, a prayer journal, gathering prayer partners around yourself, and really just studying not only the word and the people but uh, that you're going to, but so just trying to uh, prepare your mind and prepare yourself to, it's really a, a state of submission where you're saying, okay, God, you've, you've told me to do this thing and I'm obeying you and I'm trusting you. So just being willing to, trying to let go of your own expectations. I think that sometimes people, um, struggle with that because if they have something in mind, in their mind so firmly of what they're going to do and what they want to do, there can be a lot of disappointment because I heard you say that you've been on a lot of Mm -hmm. short-term mission trips. And so you know (laughs) that um, you have to be extremely flexible because I always say (laughs) in missions, you never know what you're doing until you're doing it. And sometimes even then you don't. Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> what a tremendous opportunity to uh, to learn something about your own character <laughs> along the way. That's right. And to see That's God right. redeem, you know, some of your, your weaknesses along the way as well. <laughs> yes. We're talking about the book, Get Set, A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions. And I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to prepare. And I know we spend a lot of time with all of the the physical and logistical aspects of short-term mission. But if you miss out on this part, you're going to have an experience that's a lot less um, uh, full than I think God intends for us to have when we're going to serve. We're going to take a quick break, but we will continue the conversation with Melissa Highland, author of Get Set, A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm continuing my conversation with Melissa Highland. She is the author of Get Set, A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions. Melissa holds degrees from Wake Forest University and University of Central Missouri with specialties in education, curriculum, and instruction. She's the founder and president of Beautiful Feet International, a mission organization that creates pregnancy centers around the world. She joins us uh, to continue our conversation on her book, Get Set, preparing spiritually for that short-term mission trip that I'm hoping lots of you are taking this spring, summer, and perhaps even in the fall. I know that um, the absence of spiritual preparation can make a short-term mission trip much more challenging. I've been on that trip. (laughs) I also know that preparation can make uh, very difficult circumstances and challenges much more bearable because you uh, have put yourself in God's hands and recognize that you are his servant, you're going to serve, and it puts things into perspective. Yes, ma'am. You refer to short-term sac- uh, sacrifices in short-term mission as mere inconveniences. Can you explain what that means, particularly when we're Westerners coming from a uh, an environment where pretty much all of our needs and wants are met fairly easily and moving into an environment where there may be more challenges? 
Yes, I I think, you know, sometimes we do get in situations that, that are difficult. But for me, I try to always just think about the cross. And, you know, when I look at something that I'm, that I'm facing and it seems so difficult to me, and, and I mean, sometimes it is, sometimes it is just an inconvenience and other times it really is something difficult. I just think about the cross. I think about Jesus on the cross. And when we look at it with that perspective, everything changes. Yeah, it certainly does. Now, during your years of doing short-term missions, what kind of miracles have you seen God do? Uh, I I know that I've seen them along the way, um, circumstances that are unexpected and challenging, and uh, seeing God move in the lives of people that we've gone to minister as well as the team. What have you witnessed? I have seen lots of miracles, as you have as well, and um, I think what I'd like to share about right now is from my most recent trip in September. Mm -hmm. I was in Togo, West Africa, and just the whole trip was very difficult because of all the things that we're all dealing with with COVID. We had been supposed to go in the fall of 2020, and Togo was closed. We were not able to get in at all, and so then in 2021, we looked at it again, and we had lots of obstacles. One was that the embassy was closed, so we couldn't get a visa. Another was I only had one page left in my passport, and I needed two, but I couldn't get a new passport because of the time restrictions. They were saying even with expediting, it was going to be 12 weeks. and It was one thing after another. We had COVID um, laws, protocols, restrictions in the U.S., as well as in Togo, as well as in Belgium, where we were just going to be at the airport for a few hours changing planes. And all of those things, just on paper, it did not work out. But we just felt like the Lord was telling us to go. Not that we'll never cancel a trip, but in this case, even though there were so many obstacles, we just felt like God saying to go. And he went before us, and one by one, he made all of the things that seemed impossible he made them happen for us so that we could minister to the women there. We were able to, during this year, during this pandemic, minister to 970 women in Togo, West Africa. We have 14 pregnancy centers there. And while we were there, one of our clients uh, went to the clinic where we have one of our pregnancy centers to deliver her babies. And so they called us because they knew that we were in the country, as well as, of course, her um, pregnancy center director who lives there. And we went in um, to see this woman. She She delivered twins. Unfortunately, one of them did not live, but the other one did. We were able to go in and pray with her and pray for her child. And while we were there, there was a three year old boy at the clinic and He was unconscious. They told us about him, and we asked if we could go in and pray over him. And so we went in, and we prayed for him, and he was completely motionless while we were there. But we prayed for him. We prayed for his healing. They did not have medicine that they needed to take care of him, but we prayed for him. We prayed for his mom. The next morning, two people came from the clinic to the home where we were staying, and they they had brought a picture boy show us that God had healed him completely and he was just jumping and laughing and so it was really a a beautiful testimony to the power of prayer and the miracles that the Lord does. Mm. You uh, point out in the book Get Set, a spiritual preparation for short-term missions, which I would 
certainly encourage our listeners to uh, consider. Um, you say that God doesn't need us, but he chooses to work through us. Uh, you've described a situation in which that bears that uh, that out. What does it look like um, when God uses us in a situation that he could well have achieved without us? I just think it's so exciting for us. It just shows to us how much God loves us. And I always think about, you know, how at, when, when, as a mom, when we have little children and they want to quote unquote help us, you know, and we're trying to accomplish a project, cook or clean, and we have our little two-year-old saying, mommy, mommy, I want to help. And obviously we know that that little two-year-old is not going to actually help us get the work done, but We want our children with us because we love them so much, and that's how I feel as we're serving the Lord, that God certainly doesn't need us, but He loves us so much that He lets us come along and watch Him work. Mm. And what a gift that is, and a privilege to to come alongside Him um, in that way, because you're absolutely right, He doesn't really need us to do that, but that He chooses uh, is just a real gift. Amen. You recount the story of a witch doctor who came to faith in Christ. Can you uh, tell us what happened? Um, so that was one of, on one of our trips when we were in Haiti. We were in a village in Haiti, and we were doing eyeglass clinics, which is one of the things that I love to do. We, um, so people come, and we examine their eyes, we give them eyeglasses, and we share the gospel. And it's a beautiful thing because... We're able to share physical sight as well as spiritual sight, much as we saw Jesus doing in the New Testament. And so um, on this trip, we had someone with us. His name was Rich. He was one of our team members. And he was the one who ended up being able to witness to this witch doctor after he got his glasses. And he, t- and he told us the story. He was so excited that as he shared the gospel with him, he trusted Jesus as his Savior, and he said, no more voodoo. He completely renounced it for the Lord. Just an amazing, uh, amazing story. And I think people who have been on a short-term mission all have a story in which they've seen God move in a dramatic way that um, encourages their heart and maybe even emboldens people when they return home to be uh, more willing to share their faith with people in their own circle of influence. Absolutely. You encourage, and again, we're talking about the book, Get Set, A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions, which is such an important part of uh, one of these short-term trips. You encourage short-termers to uh, not to compete with one another. That's an interesting thought. Why, why would you need to mention that? And what do we tend to do when we're traveling together on these kinds of <laughs> short-term events? As you mentioned earlier, with people we don't necessarily know that well. I think, you know, it's just human nature that we get something in our mind that, you know, oh, well, you know, I've taken all this time off from work and I've spent all this money and maybe, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to shine and I'm going to, you know, accomplish these things for the Lord. And, you know, as we talked about before, sometimes things don't go the way that we had planned. Maybe there was something that we had were supposed to do on the trip and it ends up at the last minute, we can't do it or somebody else has to do it. And so, and I think, you know, it's, it's not so different than what we see in our lives, our church lives here in the United States, but sometimes it just feels more intense because we feel like, oh no, I only have this one week to do this thing. So I think, again, it just comes back to the submission and that we trust 
that God knows <laughs> what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, goes back to that passage in the Bible about, um, you know, parts of one body. And sometimes, you know, um, you know, one part of the body is more visible than the other, but it doesn't mean that it's more important. That's right. What do you? What advice do you have for those who are considering short-term missions trip? Oh, I advise you to go. Pray. Look for opportunities. See if you know. Talk to your pastor. See what your church is doing. Um, you know. See how you can join. And I encourage you to go. You will not regret it. I have never talked to someone that said, "Oh yeah, I went. I went on a short-term mission trip one time, and that was a big waste of time." No. <laughs> Pray. <laughs> Set your heart to that, and and God will give you the opportunity. And you know, just be open because you don't know maybe where and when he's going to send you. But I believe that if that's what you want to do, that God is going to provide that opportunity and you will never be the same. You will never be the same. You're absolutely right. Well, once again, the title of the book, Get Set, A Spiritual Preparation for Short-Term Missions. It's a devotional 31-day challenge uh, for those who plan a short-term uh, trip and will help to prepare not just what's in the suitcase, but what's in your heart as you go to minister to others and find that you are at the same time ministered to. Melissa, thank you so much for the book and for talking with us today. Thank you. God bless you. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the final segment of The Georgine Rice Show. There was a headline in the Washington Post. It was published on Monday. It carried the following headline. Spread of Catholic hospitals limits reproductive care across the U.S. End quote. I uh, found it rather interesting to use the phrase reproductive care. What did the newspaper mean by the euphemistic term reproductive care? Well, of course, it meant, among other things, terminating a human life. Well, the subhead of the story said religious doctrine restricts access to abortion and birth control and limits treatment options for miscarriages and ectopic pregnancies. Catholic systems now control about one in seven U.S. hospital beds, requiring religious doctrine to guide treatment, often in the surprise to the surprise of patients. The Post went on to say their ascendancy has broad implications for the evolving natural battle over reproductive rights beyond abortion as bans against it take hold in more than a dozen Republican led states. The Catholic health care facilities follow directives from the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops that prohibit treatment it deems immoral sterilization, including vasectomies, postpartum tubal ligations and contraception, as well as abortion. Well, the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops Ethical and Religious Directives for Catholic Health Care Services is, in fact, a simple, straightforward document. It's based on moral principles that should guide all health care decisions, whether made in a Catholic hospital or not. The moral teachings that we profess, I'm quoting, flow principally from the natural law, understood in the light of the revelation Christ has entrusted to his church, it says. First, it says Catholic health care ministry is rooted in a commitment to promote and defend human dignity. This is the foundation of its concern to respect the sacredness of every human life from the moment of conception until death. Now, if you or a loved one were being admitted to a hospital, would you want to be managed and staffed by individuals who respect the sacredness of every human life from the moment of conception until death? Or would you, as the Washington Post suggests, consider this a danger? Would you want to be managed and staffed by individuals who do not hold that high view of human life? 
Well, because the respect for human life articulated in the Conference of Catholic Bishops, ethical and religious directives for Catholic health care services does, in fact, derive ultimately from the natural law. This respect for human life was expressly embraced, embraced rather by ethical doctors in the era before Christ. I will give you no deadly medicine to anyone if asked, nor suggest any such counsel. And in like manner, I will not give to a woman a pressery to produce abortion. That's a Hippocratic oath, which, according to Britannica Online, dates back to 400 B.C. Well, the Washington Post cites a report by uh, what it calls the Liberal Health Advocacy Organization, Community Catalyst to demonstrate the degree to which the Catholic Church provides health care to the United States. Now, it's not a... Uh, rejoicing and a benefit that these institutions are available to provide health care to the general public, but they are now being considered by at least the Washington Post something of a danger. Four of the nation's 10 largest health systems are now Catholic, according to a 2020 report by the Liberal Health Advocacy Organization Community Catalyst, according to the Post. This report, titled Bigger and Bigger, the Growth of Catholic Health Systems, perceives it as a problem that the Catholic Church has built hospitals and communities where other organizations have not. It also perceives that the government's significant role in health care through Medicare and Medicaid as a potential source to leverage um, Catholic hospitals, in other words, override their basic principles. The Catholic um, the Community Catalyst, I should say, says Catholic hospitals and health systems receive nearly $48 billion in taxpayer money each year. Of course, it's for services they're providing in the form of Medicare and Medicaid reimbursements while maintaining and seeking expansion of government permission to use religious doctrine to restrict care. In other words, this report is suggesting that Catholic hospitals need government permission to act in accordance with the Catholic faith. How do Catholic hospitals behave in a Catholic manner? Federal and state exemptions have allowed such hospitals to refuse to provide some of the care that conflicts with Catholic doctrine, such as abortion, which some would not characterize as care, and sterilizations, according to the Community Catalyst report. The ever-expanding use of religious doctrine to restrict and deny access to health care is threatening individual patient ability to obtain timely, affordable access to a range of vital health care services locally. Steps must be taken, again, quoting from the Catalyst organization, to restore patients' rights in the face of federal policies and court decisions that give preference to the rights of institutional health providers to deny care they deem objectionable. Patients must be protected from discrimination in access to health care and help to obtain needed reproductive health services, namely abortion, sterilization, and so on, LGBTQ inclusive care, and legal end-of-life treatment options. I don't hear these organizations proposing to establish their own institutions that would reflect their worldview, but they complain about those who invested over decades and decades to serve their communities. Should Catholic hospitals be forced to act contrary to Catholic teaching, which is what they're proposing? For those communities where patients have no other option besides a Catholic hospital, the federal designation of sole community hospital, which carries with it a supplemental funding, should include stronger requirements to ensure that patients are informed about where to obtain needed services and aided in obtaining those services, the report goes on to say. In emergency situations, sole community hospital Hospitals should be expected to provide the needed care, even if it conflicts with their core values. Well, the battle over freedom of conscience is nowhere near over in this country. In fact, it is expansive and it's um, going to be a major issue in the days ahead. But this is the push to uh, remove conscience 
uh, clauses that allow individuals or institutions to practice according to their own beliefs. We'll continue to follow the story. But the story is, uh, again, expanding and doesn't uh, look like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. Well, we are just about out of time. I do want to uh, thank James Blind for producing, Sean, uh, Ma- Sean, Sam Moppin for engineering. It's been a long day. It's never been Sean. It's always been Sam. And thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Just want to remind you tomorrow, I'm so looking forward to uh, being joined in studio by India Partners. We have a radiothon coming up. We'll give you some important insights into uh, an area of need that you might be able to help. We're talking about water, something that uh, we have readily available, but in India, it's a major issue. So I hope you'll join us for the India Partners Radiothon that's coming up tomorrow right here on the Georgine Rice Show. Hey, have a great night, and I hope you'll join us again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.